0: Good morning to each one of you. It is good to be back at Myerstown again, and to see a lot of familiar faces, um, a lot of good old friends, and uh, yeah, just certainly good to be back here again, and to share with each one of you. How many of you have questions that you have no answer for? What comes to your mind? Um, you have a question, any questions that you have that you just have no answer for. Um, how many times do we go to Google, we um, speak it into our phone or type it in a question and it shoots out an answer and it tells you the answer that you need? Or how, maybe, how many times do you go to Google and Google does not have an answer or does not have a legitimate answer? If you have a three-year-old or if you've had a three-year-old, you know that they have lots of questions and they want answers and their life is full of questions. And But that is how they learn. They learn by asking questions. And I ask many questions in life, that's how I learn and, and you as well. <clears throat> but many times um, there might not be answers for the questions that are asked, but it's, it's built within us to find an answer. If we have a question, it's it's within us, we want to find an answer to those questions. But we as Christians have many more answers to the questions um, that are asked than unbelievers because we have God's Word right here. We know God's Word and the many, all answers are in God's Word. <clears throat> But sometimes there's unanswered questions that we have, and we and we wonder, um, maybe there's not really an answer for that question, but it calls for faith. It calls for faith um, in Christ. And you're gonna have people in your lifetime that will ask you challenging questions. People are gonna ask you, and do we have an answer for some of those questions? Um, it's called apologetics, and this morning, um, I want to do something maybe a little different. Don't really have uh, three points or four points or whatever I go by. But the title to the message is Finding Answers to the Difficult Questions in Life. And we have, I want to do my best this morning to answer some of these questions with the amount of time that we have. And we'll just go through them and kind of get our thinking um, focused on how to answer some of the questions that we might have. Because the world is confused. The world is asking questions, and they are wondering how all, all these questions that they have, and they're going to ask believers. They're, we're going to be asked those questions. And, and so to start out, the first question is, how is it that God always was? How is that? You ever think about that? God always was. He always is, and he always will be. How is it that God created the world in six days? <coughs> What was God doing before creation all that time? Secondly, why does evil and suffering continue to exist in the world today? Why is that? How can it be that people like um, these terrorist groups, like the Taliban, we hear on the news over in Afghanistan, how is it that they can do the things they do to people and feel that they're doing the right thing? And... And you know, throughout history, man has inflicted pain and suffering on fellow human beings. Millions of people had suffered, have suffered at the hands of cruel, ruthless dictators for years and years. And yet they thought they were doing the right thing. Why does God continue to allow that? And we, last Saturday was the 20th uh, 20 year anniversary of 9-11. And we think about what happened there. Um, how those men, what, how is it that they thought they were going to enter heaven as soon as they hit those buildings and they were killed? That's what they believed. And, and what drives a 20-year-old man to do something like that? Don't we have the truth? Right here in the Bible, we have the truth, and yet people continue to live that way. Why would God create billions of people and send many of them to hell? And that is a question that secular society today is asking. The other question: why how is it that God allows children to suffer? Sickness, cancer, to see a child laying on a hospital bed in suffering from a sickness? What does God God allow that? And the list goes on and on. And people are asking these questions. I think it's good for us to have an answer. We might not always have an answer, but to be effective in our ministry in our in our in our lives, it's good that we can at least have somewhat of a logical answer to answer. And the least we can do is point them to Jesus Christ, the answer to all of life's questions. And then I want to conclude with how do I overcome the fear of the future? So how is it that God always was? And just to keep this rather brief this morning, God created the world in six days. And do we have an answer for how that took place? Um, the answer that we have is Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And isn't it awesome that we can point to that right there in in the Bible? That's that's all we need. That's the proof we need. It's it's written very clear in Genesis chapter one. And you know we can we can um, try to. Uh, speak that truth to the world today as much as we can. We can talk until we're blue in the face, but until they believe, until they accept it by faith and believe in a God eternal, they're going to continue to believe a lie. You know, it takes God and it takes the Holy Spirit working within men today through us to um, to to believe that and to accept that the Bible is truth, and that's and, and that God always was and always is. And, you know, our minds cannot fathom that. Um, it's hard to believe that. God has given us a time slot to live in. And outside of that time slot, we don't, we can't comprehend that. And, you know, God created time. God created this, this time slot that we live in. And for us to, to um, question the sovereignty of God, it does us no good to, to question that. And... <coughs> but it starts with Genesis chapter one. And turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter one. John chapter one. <laughs> this, is, this is a good place to start for when people question, um, question God and the creator or creation. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So just thinking, all things were made by God, and that's the the truth of God's Word. It's very clear. And I like how verse, verse 5 is worded. I think verse 5 is key right here. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And thank you, Kurt, for that good illustration. Shining through darkness. And as we see in our world today, God's light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. They can't understand. They don't see the truth. And you know, God's handiwork in creation is everywhere. Everything about creation just screams the majesty of God and how real God really is. And yet, you know, there's many that say that this earth just evolved over a certain amount of time and and yet their hearts are continued continued um, to be blinded by the darkness. Psalm 90 verse two says, before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God always is and God always was, even though we, are, we can't understand that. As I mentioned before, we are bound by time and I believe it puts God on a whole another level um, and we can't fathom that. And who are we to question Um, the sovereignty of God and you know do we really need to have a full answer to this you know we can simply point to the fact that you know God we know God God lives within us he gives us peace and assurance and he's right there with us helping us throughout our lives and we serve a God who is real and alive today and I'm so thankful that we know that as a fact and yet people still question um they may say, well, how do you know for sure? Well, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. It's about faith. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 3. <clears throat> now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report report through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear and I want to read also read verse six but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him so faith is so foundational in our lives it starts with with faith. It's the evidence. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And, you know, the fact that, I, I think that's the proof right there, the fact that so many people can know God, so many people throughout the world, it's and people can have full assurance that God is truth, and that God always was, and he always always is, because of what we see and we read in God's Word. That fact is is evidence, and, and and that millions of people um, throughout the world follow an invisible an invisible God who loves and cares for His children. That's that's evidence right there. But verse six says, "Without faith, it is impossible to to please God," and it is. It is a thought that is, is rather serious to think about. You know, without faith, we cannot please God. God is not happy with us. Um, but sometimes maybe we need to increase our faith. Maybe sometimes we have faith in God, but in yet it's shallow. And we can increase our faith by continuing to, to, um, to in, dig into God's word and, and uh, involve our lives in God's word. And I think also to look for the times when God works in the small, the small areas in life, the small things that He does, because He is; He's doing so many, so many things. And just to, to be able to see those little things um, as evidence that God is is real and He's and He's right there. Just just looking into, seeing into the small things. Sometimes we want to see big things. We want to go, see God move in powerful ways, and He does. But. I think just to be able to see those small things that he does in our lives every day, um, that is so helpful Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord which was, which which is which was, and which is to come the Almighty, the first and the first and the last words there of the Greek alphabet so we have, you know, we, we are so thankful. that We have proof, the scripture. We can turn to scripture to prove it. That's essentially the proof that we have to, that, that God always existed, he always was, and he always will be. Secondly, why does God allow evil and suffering? And that is probably one of the greatest challenges I believe facing Christians um, in, in answering in answering those who question why. Why does God allow allow evil and suffering? A reality of of that. And it's been like that ever since the beginning of time. And it's something that Christians have been faced with. And just recently I seen uh, an article in the Lebanon Daily News where it was the, the the governor was on the front and he was vetoing a bill that would have would have uh, stopped abortions up to a certain, it actually passed and came in and came to his desk, would have stopped certain abortions up to a certain point, and he was vetoing that, and there was people behind there smiling, and he was vetoing this this, this bill. And that's evil. And, you know, why does God continue to allow evil to take place in the world today? It's worse and worse. Atheists continue to drive from that question. And... Why does a good God allow evil? First of all, God is not to blame. God is not to blame for the evil that is taking place in the world today. God created a perfect scene. He created a garden that was so beautiful. There was nothing evil, bad. There was nothing about the creation that was was created. Everything was perfect. And as God gave free choice, God gave free choice to man, to love and obey him and to develop a relationship with him. That's what God wanted in the garden. And so God, as he is love, he is love, and his desire was to create a person. His desire was to create a people that would love him and develop a relationship through him by free choice, That's what God's desire was. And here's a quote that I have here this morning. Genuine love cannot exist unless freely given through free choice and will. Genuine love cannot exist except given through free choice and will. And so God wanted that free choice. God gave that um, to mankind. And the possibility of evil resulting from that was very real. And it did. It resulted... You know, I believe sometimes God allows evil and suffering to prevail because through it, people can get a glimpse of the love of God and the nature of God. Think about it. If there was no evil in the world, if there was no darkness, how could the light shine through, as Kurt illustrated there, shining through? How could it, if there was no darkness to in the world today and so through that people get, people can see can get a picture of the 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 love of God the nature of God who God is and and um in many instances there was I don't know if any of you have read the story in the Keystone Messenger um written by Frank Reed and it was a story of a policeman who came in to somebody's house and shot and killed a man she uh, realized, she came home and the door was, was open, was hanging open, and she came in and got the wrong house. She thought she had the right house, but here it was her neighbor. She came in and somebody was in, and yeah, anyway, he, she, he, she ended up killing the, the man. But anyway, the, the story goes on to say how the, the brother of the one, the victim that was killed, he testified in in court saying that he doesn't wish her any harm, and He hopes that she can go to God and find release from the guilt of what she did, and that she she, hopes that she can find God. And he um, um, testified that that he hopes she don't even go to jail. Just she don't don't wish any harm on her after what she did in in killing um, his brother. And then he uh, he asked the judge if he could give her a hug and. And he, uh, the judge allowed it. And it's, it's a story of forgiveness. And the story of God's forgiveness shines through to the world in a story like that. Realizing that God um, wants what's best. And it's so powerful to see when we see stories like that. To see through the evil and through the suffering how God's light shines through, through forgiveness. <clears throat> and it's a message that the world needs to see, The message of forgiveness. And I, I thought of two of the, the Amish school shooting that happened years ago. And that, that um, reverated throughout the world. the world, the whole world, the most much of the world heard about that story that the, the Amish could forgive somebody who did something so violent and, and cruel. But right there again, God can shine through that. Even so, much of the world, when, they, when something like that happens, it's, it's lawsuits after lawsuits and trying to get even. And um, we see God's message through evil, the message of hope, forgiveness, and the message of salvation. Why does God allow children to suffer and die? And that's a difficult question. It really is. It's a legitimate question as well. There's probably some here who has ex- maybe has experienced that, <clears throat> and it's uh, the sad reality of the curse. And <clears throat> as much as it pains us to see something like that taking place, I'm sure there's lessons of that can be learned through that: endurance, patience, and compassion, and many of these things. Um, and I've read a place where it said that if God was supposed to have special protection for all children, he would need to perform millions and millions of miracles every day if he was supposed to have special protection for children. And then at what age should he stop protecting children? If it's 12, then is the 13-year-old that sick? Does that, not, does, does that child not matter? And so... God allows these things we don't understand. But one thing we do know that in the garden, God said, if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, ye shall surely die. He did not say ye shall die at a ripe old age of 90. He said ye shall surely die. And there's been funerals ever since. And, and trials that have taken place and death. And what we just, we heard about it today, dying and... My, my wife's grandfather is on his deathbed, don't really know how many years or how many days he has to live yet. And so the one thing we do know that heaven is for real and heaven is a place of rest from suffering and pain. And that is a comforting thought to us as Christians. And we think about persecution. Why, why is there persecution? And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. It's real today. Um, in Matthew, it says, Blessed are those who suffer for righteousness' sake. 1 Peter 4 says, If ye suffer for righteousness' sake, let you not be ashamed, but glorify God. Glorify God. And I think through suffering, it shows our level of commitment. It shows our level of sincerity to to God and his will for us and it also shows us we can appreciate our the many blessings that we do have and I think one, one other thought I have along with that is when we see those um, experiencing, experiencing suffering we may think well how can they go through that or death or whatever it is how can they go through that but we see it from the angle of not receiving the extra strength. I believe when, when somebody is going through that, God is giving them extra supernatural strength. And we have prayers of, of uh, the, the family and the friends around that person and they are praying fervently for that person and God is behind the scenes working for, those, for the, the suffering and, and God is giving extra strength for that, for that uh, situation. And I heard recently, of the uh, Christians that are being persecuted in, over in uh, Afghanistan and uh, there were those that, that's, that testified those that were going through that they testified that they were receiving extra strength they were receiving superna- supernatural strength to be able to stand against the enemy and it was also encouraging to see too that they said that the children were even um, because of the witness of their parents they were willing to stand up because they've seen it in their parents. Their parents were, were uh, standing up for the truth. And that is, is uh, we, just to see to see God <clears throat> working in that way supernaturally is so encouraging. Revelation 21. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read verses 3 to 5. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And so we get a glimpse of heaven here in these verses. Um, Millions of people going there and yet God individually is wiping tears from their eyes. It's a time of of restoration, a time of uh, there will be no more time, as we've mentioned earlier about time. uh, We're limited by time and yet there will be no more time. There will be rest forever and ever. And so, suffering, through suffering, it, it allows us to to draw closer to God and to strengthen our faith, to um, realize how frail we are and that we need Christ living within us. Thirdly, as we focus on, on looking at heaven, the reality of it is that hell is real as well. And hell is not something that we like to talk about. Um, but as we think about the next, the, the question that is asked in the world today, how is it? Why does God send people to hell. The short answer is God doesn't send people to hell. And Jesus taught a lot about hell. And he, uh, he taught it in a, a loving way. He warned about it. And I, I, I heard it before, it's described as a ship that is sinking. The sh- you're on a ship and that ship is going down in the water with no escape around you. The only escape you have is a lifeboat, and there's lifeboats available. They're right there. All you need to do is jump out onto that lifeboat, and yet many people choose not to do that, and that is essentially what it is, people choosing not to jump onto that lifeboat, and the cross spans the gap over the edge, is down into the bottomless pit, and yet the cross spans that that gap, and all we need to do is go to the cross and and, uh, we can escape it. And yet so many times in this world today, because of the deceitfulness of sin, the darkness, being deceived, people choose not to do that. And so men choose to go there. Hell was never made for man. It breaks God's heart to see men to choose to go there. Um, In Matthew 25, verse 41, it says, Um, And God said, depart into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So it was never intended. It was never intended or prepared for man. But as I said before, people deliberately choose um, to to go there. A well-known atheist died. And before he died, he, he said, if rumors ever come out that I converted on my deathbed, that is not true. If rumors ever come out that I converted on my deathbed, it is not true. And so people continue to never, to never believe, and they choose not to. And so God has no choice but to allow that person to choose. Uh, He refuses him deliberately their their whole life um, to go to hell on his own free will. Ezekiel 18 says I, I'm not even going to read it, but it talks about how God is, does not delight in the death of the wicked. His desire is for all men to be saved. And I've heard thinking of, of uh, evil in the world today and how we sometimes want to see justice served. And I think it is, it is within us to want to see justice served. But when it gets to the point of us trying to... Um, to fulfill justice or carry out justice, I think that's that's where it's wrong. It's God. God needs to um, is the one that is is uh, can carry out justice. <clears throat> so, uh, in conclusion, I want to look at the last uh, the last question that is asked sometimes: How can I overcome a fear of the future? And that is probably um, one of the more, most common questions that are asked, people are scared. And the day in which we are living, it is, it is uh, normal to be scared and to be fearful. And I would probably say that none of us here probably have no fear at all of the future. Um, but can we have a complete trust in God? How many of us have a complete trust in God and know that he is his way is best, and we are not to not to fear. I have a first grader that is uh, the first one one or two first weeks of school which was very fearful. She was very fearful about going to school, and it uh, got kind of kind of bad. And we realized then that this that's that's why she was sick, and realized that that's kind of. That's why, what was going on, she was being scared of, of going to school. And it was, it became apparent to us that it was a result of, of fear. And even though, you know, that she had nothing to worry about. I mean, nothing nothing to worry about. Reach Christian School was a good school to go to. Nothing, nothing to worry about. Principal might be a little scary, but, <laughs> sorry. But we know that that's not true. <laughs> we know that uh, the tendency for us is to fear, is, the tendency is to focus what we fear most. Is that true? Our tendency is to focus on what we fear most. That is, that's what it is. And it, and it can engulf our life. It can, it can cause us to, to be afraid and fearful our whole lives if we don't overcome that, that fear. I had a customer this other week that all right I went to look at um, he wanted to install a generator a whole house generator and uh, I soon realized right away why he wanted this generator told me right up front that he doesn't lose power very often at all don't really lose power but he wants to put this generator in because he is fear he's scared of the future he wants to have be able to continue going as long as long as he can if the power grid goes out he can continue running this generator and he called the gas company, that Natural Gas, and they assured him that yeah, as long as the power's out, you'll continue getting gas and natural gas, and you can continue running this generator. And, and so he just, yeah, he wanted to be prepared. He was worried about all these big tech companies. And anyway, but I uh, was just, I, I told him that, you know, as a Christian, I, I told him I understand his, his fear. It's legitimate. I said, as a Christian, we don't need to fear the future. We um, put our faith and trust in God, and and uh, we don't need to fear. And yeah, he's a he's a believer, and he just, you just take, he just take he's just wants to be prepared. But how how much do we fear the future? Um, and I want to in Revelation chapter twenty one verse eight says. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And these, I just want to notice something here in, in this, in the very beginning of this, this verse, it says, but the fearful and the unbelieving, and looking at those two words, those two words are mixed in with that whole group of, of murderers and whoremongers and all the evil and two words are mixed in there with that, unbelieving and fearful. And I, I want to say this very gently this morning because fear is is very common, and it's something that we all struggle with. And why, why does he put the word fearful in there with that whole list? And um, as we think of... Of the word fearful, and I didn't even look it up in the Greek, but I'm I'm assuming that it is tied in more with unbelieving and being and not not having that um, faith in in God. But um, just yeah, just to think about these, these two, why why is it so important? Not to be fearful. Um, Matthew twenty two verse thirty seven says, "Love the Lord thy God." with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And so when we fear, we are violating the first commandment when we fear. Because God says, he wants our whole devotion. He wants our mind. He wants our life, our soul, our our devotion to him. And again, I say it very, very um, carefully because I understand fear is common. It is, it's, um, I can even get fearful and thinking about the future And we're prone to it, especially in in times um, in which we live today. But God wants our full full dependence. He wants our devotion and he wants our mind. And I'm not saying we should go full speed ahead and not take any precautions or warnings at all um, about the future. But when fear replaces faith, that's when it's sin. When fear replaces faith, that is sin. And so when God says, love me with all your mind, with all your heart, and with all your soul, doesn't leave us with a lot of room to fear. So what, what do we fear today? I mean, we, there's, there's things that we may fear in life. We may fear the Biden president, the Biden presidency. We may fear what's going on in Afghanistan. I don't know, what, whatever it is that you're fearing is that where your focus is? I mean, if our focus is always on what we fear, it's gonna drive us to, to be fearful. And it's gonna be harder and harder to overcome that fear when we continue to focus on that, those things that, that cause us fear. And so what we our focus needs to be, I think many times we focus on the wrong thing. Our focus needs to be in God's word. And if we read God's word, these things aren't going to matter. I mean, if, if we take our mind off of those things that are, that are drawing our attention into the gutter and into the, the fearful news in, of the world, it's gonna, we're going to fear. It's, it's, uh, we need to put our mind and our focus in what God's word says, and that will allow us to replace fear with faith. And so this morning, Christ has given us all we need to be victorious and I'm so thankful for that. Um, we have the Holy Spirit. we have God's word to guide us. And so this morning I hope somehow that our faith can be strengthened, could be strengthened um, a little. and just to, to think of, of what God wants. God wants what is best for us. He always has our best in mind. and He wants to give us what is best. It may not see it at the moment if we're going through something, if we're suffering um, through whatever it may be, maybe it's a death. and But God always wants what is best. His will is perfect, His will is just, and it is right. So let's follow Him. Um, let's be an encouragement to the world around us. There's the, as I said before, the world is a depressed, lonely place, and they need the light, they need um, answers to these questions and so if we can um, answer um, in a way that they can see Christ shining through us. And so let's allow faith to replace fear in everything we do and including giving answers to those who question our faith and question God or who who is God and let's be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. So I encourage you, to, you all to keep looking up, keep looking um, to Christ, and he will fill you with the desires of your heart. I have um, afternoon plans, so we probably won't uh, stay real long afterwards, but uh, just uh, continue to keep serving Christ. God bless each one of you, and as we, uh, we'll have, we'll all stand for a prayer, and then after the prayer, we'll have a song, and then you can consider yourselves dismissed. Let's all stand. Father God, we pause before you again today, and we are thankful for the life that you give to us as Christians, Lord, that we can serve you in faith Lord we have a faith that is real and we know you are real you are alive in our hearts today and that we can portray that to the world around us who is so so hurting and confused without hope God we thank you that we have that hope in you and we want to be that beacon of hope to the world around us and Lord as people come to us with questions Lord, that we could give answers. We may not have all the answers, Lord, but we could at least point them to you and your plan of salvation. We can point them to the cross and that that is where we can find fulfillment. Our life can be complete and we can live for you forever in heaven someday. Lord, we look forward to that day. Help us to live our lives as if it was our last day. Just lead us and guide us, be with us as we go from here. In your name I pray, amen.